You're listening to Blackpool Church Podcast. Join us for our Sunday gatherings to make friends, explore faith and encounter God. Visit our website, blackpool.church. This is the Talk Archive. Now, the topic that I want to speak to us about this week is praying for healing. So we've been looking at all these different topics around prayer. And last week, John spoke to us about praying with others. This week, we're digging a little bit deeper into that particular topic and thinking about praying for healing. And now some of you heard this story before, but when um, Nick and I first heard that we might be coming to Blackpool, we came up to visit and we met with Bishop Jill and also a couple of folks from the church here. And we walked around Blackpool and prayed with Bishop Jill. And as we were walking, I remember getting this um, sort of sense from God, being just reminded of a passage from the Bible. And it's a little passage in uh, Mark chapter 16. It's the longer ending to Mark's gospel. And um, in that passage, it talks about the disciples, Jesus' followers. And it says all sorts of interesting things about them. It says they'll do crazy things like drink poison and hold snakes and stuff like that. But then it also says about them that they'll lay hands on people who are sick and they'll be healed. And my sense was, whoever it is that comes to Blackpool, surely it won't be us, but whoever it was, um, they'll come and their church will be passionate about laying hands on people who are sick and seeing them healed. And so this kind of idea of healing is a bit of a hot topic for me because it feels like it's something for our church at the moment. But it's also something really significant for our family. Some of you will know that two and a half years before I was born, my parents had another baby. And uh, when he was born, um, everything was fine for three days. And then on the third day, my mum and dad discovered that there was like a bulge on his head and um, he was rushed into hospital, taken to a neurosurgeon who uh, realised pretty quickly that there was a section of his skull missing and so uh, his brain was basically just like covered by skin effectively and no, not protected by the skull. And so obviously that's really disastrous. The um, doctor said that basically there were sort of two possibilities. The most likely was that he would just die. And then the other possibility was that he would grow up with absolutely massive developmental issues. And so that's pretty devastating for my parents. And they started these daily checks where they had to measure his head and then send these measurements into the doctors each day. But being Christians, they also decided that each day they could maybe pray. I mean, who wouldn't pray? You wouldn't have to be a Christian to pray in that situation, would you? Um, And so they, they started to pray. And they invited friends to come and pray as well. And they remember back to one particular Sunday night where their friends gathered in their house. And a particular old lady who they'd not met before, but she was at their church, she came in. And uh, she just very gently laid her hand on the little baby and spoke a powerful prayer of healing. And things changed from that moment on. Somehow, I don't know how these things work, but somehow the, the gap closed and things healed. 
so that by nine months in, far from being developmentally behind where he was supposed to be, Jeremy, my brother, was well in a, sort of well ahead of the places he was supposed to be. He's ended up kind of growing up to be basically the cleverest person I know. He is absolutely just like brilliant. He works on jet engines in Rolls-Royce, studies astrophysics, all of this sort of stuff. I mean, he's incredible, right? Just a brilliant, brilliant person. And of course, there were times growing up that I thought, Lord, are you sure this was a complete healing on his brain and not a partial healing? But it was, as it turns out, a complete healing. Miraculous. Um, The point is, our family wouldn't have been the same, I don't think, if somebody wasn't willing to come and to lay hands on Jeremy and to ask God to make a difference. And they weren't particularly impressive people, by all accounts, who came to pray. I'm sure they were people who prayed for many people before and seen many of those people not healed, but they were willing to keep on praying and to ask God to make a difference. And so my sort of request, really, for you today is basically, will you be people who will come and pray for others, who will lay hands on the sick and ask God to make a difference consistently, day in, day out, when you meet people who are sick and in need of it, will you be the people who will do that? That's my ask. And I'm sure you all will be, so I could get down, but we've only used a few minutes. So I thought maybe I'll offer you a few tips on how to go about praying for healing as well. So let me read to you a passage. It's from Matthew's Gospel. It's chapter 9 in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, and I'm reading verse 1 to 8. So Matthew 9, 1 to 8. If you've got a Bible, you can um, open it up. If not, I'll, I'll be reading it. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. And some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to man. The first tip that I want to offer us for praying for healing is keep trusting. Keep trusting. One of the big sort of questions people ask when we talk about healing is, what is the relationship between healing and faith? So you might have heard um, healing prayer referred to sometimes as faith healing. And uh, that's a phrase with lots of sort of fairly negative connotations. If you search faith healing into YouTube, you'll see all number of disturbing and strange videos of pastors whipping people with jackets and people jumping off stages and all sorts of crazy things. And you can go and be disturbed by that in your own time if you'd like to. Um, You can do that this afternoon. Uh, and in that sort of school of understanding, the, the relationship is really simple. If you have faith, then you will be healed. And if you don't have faith, then you won't. And that's a problem, I think, uh, because that sort of understanding has done an enormous amount of 
damage and caused a lot of pain to a lot of people who were already in pain. But it's also a problem theologically because Jesus heals all sorts of people who I would say clearly don't have faith. So he heals people who are at a distance, who didn't even know that he was praying for healing for them. So it seems unlikely that they had faith. He heals people who are dead. It's quite hard to have faith in Jesus when you're dead. And so it can't be quite as simple as faith equals healing. And so as a result, some people have sort of lurched the other way. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. Right, faith, trusting in God, that's sort of over here. Healing is over there. They're, they're pretty much totally separate ideas. But I think that also has some problems with it as well. Let me read you some quotes directly from Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Like the list just goes on and on and on and on and on where Jesus is willing to say, faith makes you well or something like that, right? And so the question then is like, is there another option? Is there something else that we could do to understand how faith and healing work together? And I think there are a few different things that are useful. The first thing to remember is that faith is powerful, whoever has it. It doesn't have to be the right person at the right time. It's powerful wherever it's found. And so in our passage, we saw something slightly different happening. It says some men brought to Jesus a paralyzed man lying on a mat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And so it has nothing to do with the man. We don't know whether he had faith for it or not. We don't, I mean, he might have not wanted to be brought on the mat. We've got no idea. He was just there. His friends had faith. And there was a power in that that Jesus recognized. And so it's not all dependent on the person. I think actually what we see in Jesus's miracles is that where there's a culture of faith, healing springs up. So you might know of a few stories where um, Jesus actually removes people from situations. There's somebody in a town that's rejected Jesus and he says, right, we're going to do this, but not here. And he takes him out of the town. There are also moments, say, when he's going to uh, raise someone's daughter from the dead, that he turns up, there are lots of people mourning and crying, and he says, don't worry, she's just sleeping, and they laugh at him, they mock him. And so what does he do? He says, right, you lot, out you go. And just the parents and Jesus and his guys, they come in and they pray. I think he's creating a culture of faith in that place for the parents, So there's something about faith which is not just put on the person who's ill. It's something we do collectively to say to God, we trust you. We trust that you're working, that you can do things like that, that you might be wanting to do something like this today. The second thing I think we can note about faith is that it's also a gift from God. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul is really clear about that. He lists it as some of the gifts. And what that means is that it's not entirely dependent on us to try and muster up faith. If you think of faith as belief or maybe trust, it's quite hard to trust somebody you don't trust, right? You can't just sort of, you know? Same with believing something. It's really hard to believe something you don't believe. If I asked you to believe 
that you are currently in Barbuda, it's quite hard to just be like, you know, you don't believe it. And you, and you can't really just believe it just by trying. And faith is like that as well. There's a, there's a sense in which we have to ask God to be given faith. In my experience, sometimes I found uh, that the most powerful times of healing, I've sort of received from God this confidence for what I'm about to pray before I've even said it. And it's like he gives the gift of faith for the moment, for the prayer, as a way of directing me. And again, that sort of solves some of the problem of putting something on a person. We can just say, Lord, would you give us the faith for this thing, trusting that you might want to do it? The point is, I think, healing is about faith because healing is about God and faith is about God. So that's the first thing we need to keep trusting. The second thing, I think, is that we need to keep caring. We need to keep caring. A couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, something like that, um, I was leading a communion service at a different church. And um, after the service, uh, a, a woman came to me and she was in tears. And she sort of rushed up to me and said, um, will you pray for me? And uh, of course, like, I'm really happy to pray for people. This is my job as well, so it's sort of what I have to do. Um, uh, and I said, oh yeah, how can I pray? And she said, my baby has this um, problem. My baby's heart is on the wrong side. And, you know, that's not good, right? It's going to be really devastatingly bad. And so I said, oh gosh, yeah, I'd love to pray for that. Uh, where's your baby? And she pointed to her, to her stomach. I realized she was pregnant. And somehow on the scan, they'd figured this out, that this was a thing. And so she was basically thinking she's going to lose the baby and, um, you know, disastrous moment, right? And so we prayed, of course, we prayed. And, um, you know, we just basically, I don't really know what we did. We sort of just grasped hands and cried and just said, Jesus, will you do a miracle now? I think that was basically the prayer. There was nothing fancy about it. It was just, Jesus, will you do a miracle for this person and fix whatever it is that's wrong? And amen, and I'm so sorry. And I hope, to, I don't know if I'll see you at some point, but maybe. Um, a few weeks later, I was leading communion again at the same church and uh, she came in again and she was in tears. But this time there were tears of joy. She came and said, we've had a scan and it's, it's fixed, it's sorted. Somehow, again, I don't know how these things work, but somehow it's like being resolved and the heart is where it's supposed to be. And as I sort of think back to that moment of healing, like where we prayed, just one of the things that struck me is it felt like we really deeply connected as we prayed and stuff that um, me and Nick has, have experienced helped us to connect on a really deep emotional level. That like there was something just painful about this that I was able to like just share, that we didn't just do the sort of, oh no, that sucks, let me pray, dear God, do this, blah, 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 amen, next person. It was like, oh God, will you do something here? There was something of our emotions that were stirred as we prayed together. I think we see uh, Jesus doing something like this often. Uh, he says in our passage to the guy, take heart. And it's like he's saying, like, I see it. I get it. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. Take heart. At times we see Jesus weeping, like outside of the tomb of Lazarus. Sometimes with his friends when he sees things, it, the, it says that he's, 
he's basically gutted is the literal phrase. His guts were twisted, such as the like agony that he's experiencing, empathizing with people. He cries, he's, he's expressive, and he throws himself into healing. And I think the same is true of us when we come to pray for people for healing. Let's not like keep this clean and tidy. Let's throw ourselves into it. Say, oh my goodness, that's, that's awful. Let's take a moment before we pray just to recognize how tough it is for people when they need to be prayed for and to embody something of what they're carrying with them. The Bible describes us as having lots of sort of parts to us, really, a, a body and a mind and a soul and a spirit and a heart. And I think all of these parts are activated when we come to healing, when we come to pray for healing. Uh, so that often uh, it's great to pray for people at a distance, but it's even better to pray in person, to lay hands on someone's shoulder so that we're, we're saying we're there bodily. I'm here, you're here, and we're asking God to do something physically here and now because we believe he can. But also our, our minds are engaged. We're thinking about things. Our souls and our spirits are engaged as we're asking God to change something. Sometimes that's where people need the healing. It's interesting in that passage as well that Jesus, he clearly connects the spiritual with the physical when it comes to healing. So he says to the, um, the guy, oh yeah, you, you need healing. Your sins are forgiven. Think, what? Your sins are forgiven? The guy's on a mat. He's been carried in. He's been carried in. What do you mean his sins are forgiven? As though he's about to leave. Arguably, it's only because the Pharisees sort of challenge him that Jesus does the physical healing miracle at all he's potentially about to go having forgiven this guy's sins then the Pharisees come back and uh, the Pharisees are thinking about him saying this is blasphemy and Jesus says well I'll show you that it's actually happened you'll know that the spiritual healing has taken place because I can do physical ones as well and so he says to the man get up and so there's this kind of connection between the spiritual and the physical when it comes to healing it means we throw our hearts into it and our emotions. I ask God to soften your heart for this thing if you want to be somebody who prays for people to he for healing. Uh, don't just get hard and just next, 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 next. That's not how it works. Uh, the Bible says that the spirit intercedes for us in groans. I've often wondered whether we can intercede for people in groans, not just words. But if we're going to do that, we'll need soft hearts that are compassionate, ready to pray. Okay, so we've had keep trusting. Uh, that's about faith and healing, that we can ask God for faith and we can build a culture together. We've had keep caring. Let's throw ourselves in wholehearted, not clean and tidy. The last thing I want to suggest is that we need to keep going. We need to keep going. Sometimes when we, when we pray for people for healing, I think it's sort of like a traffic light system. Uh, so you get a red light sometimes. And a red light is like you pray and nothing happens. And that can be incredibly, incredibly painful. Some of you might have prayed for healing for a specific thing time and time and time and time again and just hit a wall on it. And that's so difficult. I'm so sorry if that's what it's been like. It's so tough. And that happens. Sometimes when we pray, it's like an amber light. And that feels like, wait, it's either like something has happened, but not everything has happened yet. Or maybe it's um, like God's doing something, but there's no healing yet, but maybe something's going to come a little bit later. But the, the point is, just because lights are sometimes red and just because they're sometimes amber doesn't mean they're never green. 
And if you pull up at the traffic lights and the light is red, you don't park the car. Just think, right, oh well, switch it off. I guess I'll have to walk. <laughs> you know, you, you wait, you keep waiting because it's going to go green. There's going to be green if we keep waiting. And the same is true as we pray for healing. It might not be in that specific case. But just because it's sometimes red, just because it's sometimes amber, doesn't mean it's never green. And so we need to keep praying. I often think about a particular healing miracle of Jesus's, where he prayed for a guy who was blind. And he prayed, then he said to the guy, how is it? How's it going? What can you see? Great faith from Jesus. And the guy says, oh, wow, I can see. But the people look like trees. I've often wondered how he knew what trees looked like. But I don't know if it's, maybe it's that the people and the trees look the same. Maybe it's that he, I don't know. Anyway, but um, he says that. Now that's not perfect. It's not 2020, is it? <laughs> if people look like trees, that's some way still to go. And so Jesus prays again. Just hold on to that for a second. Jesus prays again. And so I sort of think if Jesus even had to pray twice one time, then I might have to pray two, three hundred times maybe at points, asking God to do it. He, Jesus talked about stories of uh, people going to their friends, demanding bread because they've got some guests coming over. And the people say, go away, I'm in bed. And they say, no, I need the bread. Get out of your bed. And he says that we can approach God like that as well. Uh, it's, a red light doesn't mean it's never going to be an amber or never going to be a green. Okay, so we've had keep trusting, keep caring, and keep going. The last sort of thought might be how do we go about praying for healing, just really practically. They're sort of quite conceptual. How might we actually do it in the moment? You're at work or you're at the pub and someone says, oh, my back has just been killing me recently. What do you do? That's the question. And I think the first thing to say is there's not, there's not really a formula for praying for healing per se. Jesus healed people in lots of different ways. Sometimes distant, sometimes close, sometimes he laid hands, sometimes he spat on the floor, made mud, rubbed it in people's eyes. I've not tried that one personally. You're really welcome to if you want to, but probably not here in this church. <laughs> um, but there's no formula, really. I think two weeks ago, I prayed for somebody here. And uh, they came forward to be prayed for, uh, but not for healing. They came forward just to be prayed for and to say thank you to God for bringing them here. And uh, as we prayed, we got to the sort of end of praying. And then they, then they said, oh. And such was my lack of faith that I thought I'd hurt them praying somehow. I do, I've never done that before, but I thought, oh gosh, I've somehow broken them by praying and then they said, oh, my shoulder was hurting before, but now it's not. Now, I'd love to say that I knew in advance that there was, oh, God said, yeah, it was the shoulder and I just was playing along with them. But no, I had no idea. No, you know, it was just something that God decided to do. And so there's no formula. But here's how I tend to go about praying for people for healing that you might want to use. Uh, so I'd say to my coworker, hello. What's your name? I would know their name, but if I didn't, I'd ask. And then I'd remember their name because that'll be useful. And I'll say, like, how can I pray? What's going on? And they'll say, oh, I've got a bad back or whatever it is. And then if it's appropriate, then I might lay my hand on their back 
if that's where it's hurting, but if it's really tender, then maybe just on their shoulder or something. I'll just say, we're just going to pray. And then I'll just say whatever sort of feels appropriate to pray. I don't think there are special words or anything. Just say, dear Jesus, would you come by your Holy Spirit and bring healing to my friend now? And just, you know, anoint them. I just take away the pain. And if you want, I think also Christians have a spiritual authority. So you can speak sort of in your own spiritual authority. You could say, you know, we just say to the pain, just be gone. And healing just come in the name of Jesus. Then we might wait for a little bit and just you know, see if God says anything, but we might not. And then I'll say, amen, because that's what you say at the end of a prayer. And then I'll sort of muster up all of my faith and I'll say, how's the back feeling? And then they can do whatever it is, if they can. Then they can say, oh, it's healed or it feels a little bit better or feels a bit different or it feels exactly the same. And if it feels exactly the same, I might say, hey, well, you know, Jesus had to pray twice. So why don't we pray again? And we can just pray again if they want to, or if not, we can just leave it and I'll pray for them at another point. That's how I go about praying for healing.